0: Y'all, this is like my fifth time trying to nail this opening. All right, let's do it. Why did the science teacher not show up for class? He was gone fission. All right, finally it stuck. Welcome, everybody. Hey, y'all. This is the Teach This Teacher podcast. And today, our episode is talking all about student engagement. I am a former classroom teacher um, and I wanted to get kind of into the private sector and still stay connected with education Um, and I asked myself what was the cause for poor teacher morale and uh, poor morale leading to um, just the lack of retention of teachers and I thought with myself it was probably and not enough of the right help was gotten. And so what I mean by that is every teacher in almost every district are required to take professional learning courses. We call them PLC, some people call them PLUs. And I think even in the state of Georgia, it is required by the state to report how many um, PLs, hours we have received. Our principal kept up with it and turned it into the state. But the problem is the PLs were not as helpful and useful as they could be. And what is amazing about this is the fact that when we talk about student engagement, one of the biggest things that we're always told is student choice will lead to more student engagement. And yet when it comes to teaching teachers, they have very little buy-in. They have very little say in what professional learning courses um, they are allowed to take. So many times when it was a quote-unquote teacher's work day, we would be told, Mr. Glosson, you're going to take this. Miss Adams, you're going to take this. So-and-so, you're going to take this. No choice. And what we found when we walked out of those PLs after hours of listening to a presenter is that It was good information, we just didn't need it. Perhaps we had already mastered what we were taking and we needed to be down the hall taking a different PL. And who better knows what we need than ourselves? So my innovative idea, I like to call it revolutionary idea, is to allow teachers to teach teachers. And since the pandemic, we're all very versed in taking classes and giving classes online. And so, my website, teachthisteacher.com, allows you to go on there today and teach a professional learning course in whichever subject you would like to teach. It can be classroom management, it can be integration of. Social studies in a reading class. It can be PBIS, that infamous word. Uh, It can be school administration. It could be project based learning you name it. But also, you can receive courses from other teachers just like you in the course that you need the most that you have not been offered by your school. Or that you maybe have been offered, but you need more in depth, more hands on. I think it's a great idea. And that's why I'm throwing everything I have at it and um, trying to get this thing off the ground. So visit teachthisteacher.com. And that's the last thing I'm going to say as of now about my website, because I want this podcast um, for the first month or so to focus on one thing that I think every teacher wishes they could do better, and that is engage their students. So I have two scholarly articles um, that I would like to go over and my own personal experience about how we can better engage our students. The first thing I want to go over is um, a article or a piece of research called Teachers' Cognitive Flexibility on Engagement and Their Ability to Engage Students, A Theoretical and Empirical Exploration by researchers Christy Cooper-Stein and Andrew uh, Menace, I think, and Tara Kent. And I do apologize if I did not get that last name right. Um, And this was dated 2018. Now, that was a really complex title. It was very scholarly. I told you they were scholarly articles. Um, but basically what this article did in, in simple layman's term, they track teacher engagement through student surveys. So basically they asked the students, how engaged are you in this class by asking them various questions? Like how happy are you when you're in this class? How excited are you about being learning in this class? How do you feel about this class? Or how do you feel it is worth your time to be here? If you don't understand something, how often do you try to figure it out when you're in this class? Okay. When you're doing assignments in this class, how often do you concentrate? And they took that data. They gave each teacher a score based on their student results. And then they asked the teacher's question about student engagement to kind of track What how we think about student engagement translates to how we actually engage students, how effective we are at engaging students. And basically guys, what they came down to, what it came down to is more engaging. This is a quote, more engaging teachers grapple with complexity in regards to student engagement They entertain multiple representations of engagement and appear to construct their own schema around the factors that shape student engagement in their classes. In other words, more engaging teachers knew that they didn't know everything about how to engage students and they recognize that there is no easy fix. Okay, more engaging teachers realize that engaging students is hard and you can always improve it. The less engaging teachers thought that, oh, all I have to do is throw in a kahoot game at the end of each class or every Friday. All I have to do is tell students to work in groups and I have an engaging classroom. Now, I think part of the problem with the reason that some of us believe that way is because that's what we're told. I'm going to teach you how to engage students. Let them work in groups, give them a choice board, play videos. When in reality, you can do all of those things that I just mentioned and not engage a single student because those aren't the things that engage your students. So they ask these teachers questions like this. Does your ability to engage students differ across the classes you teach? If so, how? They asked them, to what extent do you believe a given students engagement changes from class to class? What explains those differences? And then they followed them for about three years and they asked them, did you change anything from last year? So I think that this was such a enlightening study for me because it answered some questions for me. Why do students say they love to go to this class and not this class? And what this study revealed is that a lot of the things that I thought were true, and then it introduced me some ideas that um, I had not thought about. I want to pull out a few key things in this article that the teachers said and that the researchers um, kind of commented on. Less engaging teachers believed overall in this study that there were strict answers as to how to engage every student. And there were less diverse ways to engage all students. They also believed that quote unquote, those smart kids would be more engaged automatically. And the quote unquote, low kids would always be less engaged. And there's really nothing you could do about that, which is fascinating because I know personally that that's not true. I, I have had some of the most engaged students that were scoring the lowest in the class on the norm reference or criterion reference or whatever referenced test, but they love to learn. (laughs) So I have had some of my higher flying students that just did not really care about learning. Smart as a whip. God gave them a high IQ we're not very engaged so we've got to rethink that when we get a class of low students we can't just automatically assume it's going to be like pulling teeth they could there could be some really engaged students in there likewise when we get those high flying students we have to realize that we might have to work to get them engaged okay i thought this was pretty interesting one of the teachers told the researchers That everything you tell us to do to engage these students, all of the good teachers in the building are already doing these things. (laughs) And so a more engaging mindset is that I'm not going to wait around for somebody to tell me what to do with my students to engage them, but I'm going to find what works for these students, which might not, I might not have received from anyone. All right. Um, So as I mostly taught social studies and history as a teacher, I felt like I had it kind of easy because kids just kind of gravitate towards social studies. What I've noticed most kids, they felt like it's quote unquote easy. Right. But I don't think it's because it's easy. I don't feel like I had an easy class. I feel like that they gravitate towards social studies because it's more relatable. So there's a key in that. The more relatable a subject is to a student, the more they're engaged. So if we approach it with that mindset that I'm going to try to make every subject relatable. So the years that I taught math and science and social studies, I tried to make that as relatable to the students as social studies was. I'll give you an example. I had a class of sixth graders that most of my students in that class had barely been out of the state of Georgia, if at all. Some of them had never been out of the state of Georgia. It was a rural part of Georgia, and they had very little exposure. My first standard that I was trying to teach them was the geography of Europe. So think about trying to teach students that had never seen geography beyond their home state a few hours away, and they're trying to grapple with there's a whole other continent across an ocean that they haven't seen and trying to figure out where Italy and France and Germany and Belgium is in this other continent. You think they're going to connect to that lesson very well? Probably not. Unless I found a way to engage them. So what I did was try to immerse them into a European culture. I talked about spaghetti and meatballs. European, right? We've, They've all probably eaten spaghetti and meatballs. I played Frozen. The the, the song from Frozen, Let It Go, for them in different languages. They have a, a remix of like European languages, Slavic languages or whatever. To let them understand that people speak different languages. But this is a song that you all know very well in these other languages from these European countries. And so then when I said, hey, this is how it sounds in French, then I can point out where France is. So making each one of those lessons relatable. I could go on all day on this article, but I want to move on to my second article that is titled Cool Tools for School, 21st Century Tools for Student Engagement. This is by Kyoko Johns, Jennifer Tronkel, Christy Trucks. Christy Calhoun, and Michael Alvarez. And again, sorry if I butchered those names. And I want to say before I even go into this article that this podcast is not sponsored by any of the websites that I'm going to uh, refer to, because what they did is gave us a list about a four thing, uh, four websites um, that will engage your students through technology. And you might groan when you hear that word, because we as educators know that technology is not the be all end all of engaging students, even though sometimes it's presented that way. So I thought they started off with the important statement It says engaging students in learning is a motivational tool for effective classroom teachers. And I thought that was interesting in and of itself, that engaging students is only a part of your motivational tools. You're going to have other ways to motivate them, right? because some students are motivated by success. Some students are motivated by pleasing their teacher, which is something in the other scholarly article about having that personal relationship. Engaging teachers realize that personal relationships matter with lower students and quote unquote, higher students. So engaging students is one of your motivational tools. So, They said motivation is why people do the things they do. So we want students to do school well. So we have to motivate them. I have this one student that he was like not only the teacher's pet, he was the school's pet. Everybody loved this kid. And the reason was is because, first of all, he had personal relationships with everyone. He was one of those huggy types. And all the way from pre-K, he was hugging all of his teachers and the librarian and the assistant principal and the STEM teacher and the custodians. So that personal relationship really involved him in school. And what was interesting about this is he had a very hard home life. As a matter of fact, when I taught him in third grade, he was um, the government intervened in his home life. So he had a hard home life, but school was his safe place. So, man, he was engaged like you wouldn't believe. And he was a high flyer, which is incredible when considering what he went through at home. So what I saw is that no matter what I presented to this kid, he would grab onto it with both hands, highly engaged. So. D-O-K, depth of knowledge, right? What is it? I'm sure you know that. But how do we get to that D-O-K level four? I think all of the websites that this suggested are D-O-K level four um, projects. And I'll just go ahead and give you an example. Number one was Fakebook, um, and the wider website is called classtools.net. But basically, Fakebook, which is a part of classtools.net, is where students can create a social media account for a historical figure. But let's not just keep this within the social studies history realm. Why couldn't they create a historical figure about a scientist or about in math a mathematician or in uh, English language arts about an author there are plenty of opportunities to do this in many different subjects but what i really like about this because i used to print off a template of a facebook a fake template that i got off the teachers pay teacher and they used to hand draw the picture of whoever and draw and write their bio and write some of their posts but what i really like about this fake book on classtools.net is that they can use it where they can comment on other students pages so you can have Susan B. Anthony leaving messages for Frederick Douglass. <laughs> I think that's pretty awesome, right? Um, and so this website not only has Facebook, but it allows educators to use tools modeled after social media applications safely with their students because that's a concern. We would not most likely tell every kid to create a real Facebook or Twitter or Instagram for a um, historical figure or whomever because of the safety concerns. And guys, this is super important to me because I am now realizing I'm not yet 30, but I'm not a very social media, big social media guru at all i'm just getting into it because i'm launching this idea however what i'm realizing is how much others of my peers are into it so just because i'm not into it or you're not into it as a 30 40 50 60 year old educator these students are intensely into it i was just reading an article this morning while lying in bed about how John Ossoff is the first, basically, um, I think they called it organic Twitterer Senator. So yes, every Senator probably has a Twitter by now. Uh, Yes. The president of the United States tweets or used to (laughs) kind of breaking news, but John Ossoff was doing this before he was not only a Senator, but even close to being a candidate. He was still in college so that he, they go back all the way to like 2012 and read his tweets about star Wars and all kinds of other popular pop culture references. So whether we like it or not is not important. This is where our students are. So that's our first, that's their first, um, um that's their first reference is classtools.net to engage students. Now, I want to pull in that famous depth of knowledge DOK will. And remember, we're basically always trying to get as high on that will as we can. Yes, there are some standards that where kids need to just tell, recite, recall that DOK level 1. We can't make everything DOK 4. But let's look at some of those words on DOK 4. And they directly apply to this class, tools.net. Students will create they were critique. So speaking about them going and chatting on each other and Susan B. Anthony chatting with Frederick Douglass, that's, they can critique each other that way. Applying concepts is another level four uh, term. Apply the concepts that you learn. Synthesize. Connect and design. Just Google it. Google the DOK will, and you will see that this aligns perfectly with that level four because one thing that we have to understand is students are more engaged the more they are challenged the more they can put their hands on something and do it you can sit there and tell me about how susan b anthony and frederick Douglass fought to abolish slavery but when i can create a facebook page for her i have to know about her so i'm going to go look and search and find things myself and same thing with so many other subjects I have to move on because we're trying to keep the time limit down on this uh, podcast. The second thing is Google Classrooms, which I think every teacher in America is familiar with Google Classroom. Um, But I just want to share share a couple of things the way that I use Google Classroom and you probably surpass me. But one thing that really uh, impressed the the admins (laughs) in my school is when I shared my student work with the administration. Can you imagine the level of engagement when you were in school? If your principal left a comment on your essay and said, good job, Susie. Good job, Brittany. I liked your introduction. So we, we have to get outside of just the common Google Classroom or whatever we're using and think about how can I really... Impressed this soon. That's impressive that my teacher is leaving comments on here, that real time feedback, and my principal. And it took the workload off for me because if I saw that my principal had already left a comment, I moved on to the next or the instructional coach. I shared it with the instructional coach and they start leaving comments. The third thing I want to move on to is edu creations. And um, I YouTube some Edu Creations, and basically it is a way. It's like an interactive whiteboard, but it records whatever you're writing on there. Kind of like those Khan Academy videos, but you can make them for yourself. You can make them for any subject, which is perfect in this pandemic, while we're all at home learning. Um, you can do math problems on there. Uh, you could even model common mistakes in math problems. My fifth grader was having the worst time remembering, please excuse my dear aunt Sally, PEMDAS, right? So I could model some common mistakes on there that you make during the orders of operations. So uh, this is really cool. You can also pull pictures up on there and it records it. So imagine, uh, and and I, I love this idea for when I had to teach the same thing three times in a day. I was out of my mind by the third time please don't ask me to teach it a fourth time. So what if I can record that class and have that kind of flipped classroom where instead of lecturing to the whole class, I only lecture to a few students at a time through EduCreate, and the other half of the class. We're over there reading a novel. It just hits different with these, with this generation, with these kids. Seesaw is the last, um, Uh, uh, idea that they have in this article it is a learning journal a digital learning journal seesaw this is a quote is a student driven digital portfolio that provides a secure and private place to keep students assignments and projects that can be shared with parents students can upload photos videos drawings text PDFs and links to show their learning love this idea Because just like I was talking about bringing in the principals and the instructional coaches and the the educator down the hall that you know that student has a connection with into that Google Classroom doc. This brings the parents in. So let's talk about reading Shakespeare for ninth graders. You assign them a project on instead of giving them a multiple choice test you assign them a project where they record a video on an iPad that they rent from the media center and they record a scene with a few of their friends, share it on seesaw and their parents can watch it and be involved in their learning. Guys, there are so many things out there. Just that I'm teaching online as a freelance educator and I was looking at Google templates. I was just trying to look for a cool background and I, came across where somebody had created a digital writing journal a simple idea that i had never thought of but i could integrate that into my google classroom and now every assignment they do they do it in their writing journals and i can leave comments on it and i don't have 50 writing journals all over my classroom and everybody's looking for them and running around like a chicken with their heads cut off (laughs) i wish i had known about this when i was actually in the classroom If I was in the classroom, I would stop writing journals immediately and go straight to digital writing journals. Every test that they're going to take from now to the end of their career, when they retire at 60 something years old, they will be doing it on a computer. Most likely. Let's just face it. So why not get them trained for that today? I'm almost out of time. And I hope that you learned something about engaging students. I sure did. I learned a whole lot. And this is one of the benefits of not being in the classroom. I have time to read scholarly articles and share them with you. I never would have done this had I been in the classroom because I just don't have the time I'm grading papers, communicating with parents, doing lesson plans. So I hope that this helped and I would love to have you guys as guests on this podcast because for this first full month, we're going to talk about student engagement. And every teacher has a great way of doing it and different from another teacher. And you probably have a thousand ideas that I'd love to hear. So for now, um, I bid you all good luck in your teaching careers and hang in there. You can have great lesson plans You can have wonderful execution, but if the students aren't engaged in your lesson for whatever reason, it's all to no avail. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Teach This Teacher podcast. I hope you tell your friends about us. I hope you like it. I hope you subscribe, and I hope you spread the word.